thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Amen. Hey, everybody. How you doing? You look good. You feel good? Today's the big day. You excited? Ooh, I think I'm more excited than you are. We are... Uh, Coming to a big moment here today, um, for the last uh, four weeks, we have been in this series called The Future is Radiant, and it's really been leading to this moment, um, and we spent the last 21 days and 21 days of prayer, and we uh, invited you to pray and ask God each day what he would invite you to do in this season as we go into um, 24 months where we're, where we're going to... Uh, pursue, pray, seek God about a permanent space. And so for those of you that are new to Radiant, we began five years ago, just over five years ago. And then on our fifth, on our fifth anniversary, we began this season of praying and seeking God. Um, and then the last 21 days of prayer so that we can all give a, a big yes today. And really our dream is that you would just say yes to whatever God puts in your heart. And so my goal is not that you would do anything other than just say yes to God. So not yes to us, not yes to the dream that we have, but if you would actually pray. And so our dream has been that it would be a prayer journey. And so we've been talking about getting into a permanent space. We believe that God has a place for us uh, one day. And for us, this is all just a faith step, um, not knowing where that is yet. We're kind of uh, stepping out of the boat and believing God uh, for a permanent space. And so anyway, I've been uh, so grateful. And it's been faith building for me to receive such enthusiasm, excitement um, from all of you. So thank you so much. Um, just for the, the texts, the encouragement, the phone calls, the prayers, some of you, the tears. And it's been just really a delight. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to go to Joshua chapter 24. And we're going to conclude today, not only the series, but at the end of the message today, I'm going to invite us uh, to take that pledge card that's on your seat, and we'll have the ushers, and they'll be on the sides and in the back, uh, kind of just like a horseshoe around the auditorium. And where we're going to go is we're going to end a little bit differently than we normally do, where we're going to give you the opportunity to jump in and just say, I want to be a part of this initiative. And today for us is this Commitment Sunday. And so I want to uh, just thank you, first of all, whether you're in the room or online, uh, for being a part of this. And uh, I'm excited about where we're going. We've spent uh, the last three weeks talking about Joshua. And so today is week four as we look at the life of Joshua in context to Joshua being a great leader of faith. And really, we believe like that's the season that we're in. We're stepping out in faith, believing God. And in that context, looking at the land, looking at the walls needing to fall, crossing over Jordan, so many different pictures that we read about in this Old Testament narrative, as we believe as a people, we're stepping into new things. And when we get to the end of Joshua, we read in verse 24, the story of an old man, and he's looking back and he tells the story. And I think that we do well to look at the wisdom of Joshua in Joshua chapter 24 here on this Commitment Sunday. Now I want to invite you to go verse 15. I'm going to read it. Then I'm going to pray. Picture 110-year-old leader. 
So he's been leading since he was a young man. He's been serving since he was a young man. And now he's giving great wisdom just before he dies. Verse 15, now fear the Lord and serve him with, with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house or my household, we will serve the Lord. Father, we love you today. And God, we take this phrase that Joshua said so long ago. And God, we say it with our own lives again today. We resonate, God, in every house that's represented, every young adult, every married young couple, every middle-aged couple, every single person, everyone in this house, individual in their own homes. And God, even with us as radiant as a house, we say we will serve the Lord. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would lead us, that in 21st century Kansas City, we would be followers with all that we have, that we would be people that serve with everything. We honor you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been fun just to receive some of the uh, excitement that you've had about this journey. I had uh, one of you come up to me and there's a big old tough guy that came up to me and he kind of like hit me and his way of loving me was to punch me. And he said, I've been waiting for this day since you started the church. It's about time, you know, which is like a, all right, I'll take that. Okay. Uh, and he said, I'm just so excited about, uh, he said, I, I already sense, I already know in my heart what God's invited me and my wife to give. And we're just so excited. And he's got that big tough guy mentality and kind of slapped me around a little bit with not like the, wow, great step of faith, but kind of the, man, it's about time you pathetically had to see. And I mean, you know, I had kind of that kind of vibe and, but I felt really encouraged by it. And I had another lady call me and she said, Hey, uh, we haven't been able to be in person for a long time, but we want you to know that we've been so a part of the church while online in this season. And I just want to make sure that we can be a part of the future is radiant commitment day, uh, October 17th digitally. <laughs> I was like, I love your enthusiasm because I love the fact that you're calling me to make sure the internet is going to work on October 17th. Trust me, it's, it's working today. Right. And I just loved it. I had, um, I had another family that Renata and I met with and they told us the story about their family gathering together, having conversation and dialoguing about what their family was going to do. And the children, little tiny kids talking about how they were going to engage in little fundraisers in the neighborhood and different things that they could do because they all felt like there was this, this, this number that the Lord put on their heart, but it was going to take a lot to get there. And all these little kids trying to get there. And I had another lady tell me the story of her and her husband and I told you guys, I said, hey, this is between you and the Lord. So I didn't expect any, anybody to call me. Just, I guess I'm an extrovert. People like a party. So they, they've been calling me. And, but I had one lady say, my husband and I went and we both prayed. And then when we, when we talked, uh, we both had the same number. And we just felt like the Lord was just whoo, breathing. And we feel so encouraged. We both heard God. And I loved that phone call. And so I told that to Renata. And so Renata and I tried that. But we had two different numbers. So we just met in the middle. One of us is more generous than the other. And we'll never tell. Um, 
but we're excited about the journey. And I think that's been one of the things that's most been exciting for me as we've been on all of us as a church together. This, this process is because because our dream is, is only that you would say yes to God, and, but just the enthusiasm. And I just want from the bottom of my heart, before I even move on, just to say thank you. Because in a, in a moment like this, oftentimes there could be people that feel frustrated, or, but, but, but I have felt such enthusiasm and generosity and sacrifice and excitement and encouragement. And as we come to the end of this story of Joshua, I want to just look at the way that Joshua leads and gives wisdom to the people because I think if we'll pull out some of the treasures from the text, I think it's apropos. I think it's legit. I think it'll help us for this season of our church. One of the things that old Papa Bear Joshua, old leader Joshua, old successful spy Joshua, old hang out in the tent of the Lord and serve Moses Joshua, old soldier Joshua, lived a full seeking God life Joshua says, as he gathers people around him, 110 years old, it's been about seven years since the conquest of Jericho, and he begins to tell stories. And I find that intriguing in the text because he's a storyteller. Joshua tells the story of what God has done. And I'd like us today, and even as we go and we lead our families, as we lead in the workplace, as we lead in our small groups, to be storytellers. Look what Joshua does. If you read this text in Joshua 24, in verse two, he tells the story of Abraham. And he's not talking about Abraham as a hero. He's talking about God as a hero. And he's talking about Abraham being used by God. But he tells the story of Abraham in verse two. In verse five, still in a monologue style, he tells the story of Moses. And he's not talking about how great Moses was. He's talking about how great God is. And he's telling the story of Moses. And he's forming a narrative. He's telling the people who they are by talking about what God has done in the past. He talks about the crossing of the Red Sea in verse six. He's telling the story, look what the Lord has done. He's saying, look at who our God is. In verse 11, it's the story of the crossing over Jordan. And then he goes right into the story of the battle of Jericho. And we might sing Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, but Joshua's telling the story about God gave us the city. God's the main character. God's the, God is the primary person. We're just living in his world. And he's telling the story of God. He's a storyteller. I was thinking about you and I living in our culture where we have constant stories going on around us all the time. You and I have a story on the news. It's, here's the story of the day. You and I have stories from the past. We have constantly people living on Insta stories. Let me tell you my story. Let me tell you the story of where I work. Let me tell you the story of the product that you should buy. You should purchase this. Let me show you a commercial. Even if you just want to watch something online, there's a little story. Even, even if you go to Netflix, you're watching a story. Sometimes it's a fiction story. Sometimes it's a historical story. Sometimes it's it's people just telling a story about what they think. Maybe it's a blog of somebody telling you, let me give you my story. And there's so many stories. And here's Joshua telling the God story. Joshua reminding the people, forming the people about what God has done. And when we look at what God has done, it helps us identify what God is currently doing. It helps us have the God story on our lips about this is what God is doing today. Oftentimes, we will live with so many other stories, but what would it look like for you and I to have the God story on our lips? 
What would it look like for you and I to be talking verbally right now, present tense, blogging, putting on your social media? This is the story of what God is doing. Mark Batterson, uh, in his book, Win the Day, talks about how we all have signature stories. And he says that each one of us, even when we look at the purpose, you know, when we, if we want to know our destiny, we look at our design, how God made us. And a lot of times our destiny is connected to stories of how God has worked, things that God did. It could be, it could be a moment before you came to Christ, but somebody that loved you. It could be a moment, a story of your salvation. Could be a baptism story. Could be somebody that you saw Jesus in them. Could be the way that you helped another person and you so served and you, you, you st- it started to form your life. There's stories, you have signature stories of God at work in your life. And so I got so fascinated with this idea of signature stories. I started writing some of my signature stories. And because I'm a preacher, I tell stories all the time. So I knew mine really quickly, but I wanted my kids to, I wanted my kids to start to think about their signature story, so I tricked them, and I took them all to uh, Mi Ranchito for Taco Tuesday, and, and I tricked them with tacos, but I said, hey, let's talk about signature stories. Let's begin to identify what God has done in your life. Let's talk about God at work in your life. Let's tell the story. Let's talk. And so we could talk about, we could talk about a whole lot of stories that leave God out. There's a whole lot of stories that all of us have even been experiencing today and this week and this month. But let's have the conversation actually verbally. Let's, let's talk about God at work. Let's talk about our stories. Imagine in your journey, if you became a storyteller about God, if you intentionally began to be the storyteller, if you began to tell the story in your family, tell the story in your marriage, look what the Lord has done. Even sometimes with your bride or your husband, when it's tense saying, look what God has done. Maybe when it's hard with your children, hey, let's, let's remember, let's talk about, let's look as great as it is to go, the future is radiant, let's look back and look at the past, what God has done. Here's my story, here's, what, here's, here's, here's even my parents' story, here's even some church history, and then, ooh, maybe we could even go back and we could tell Abraham's story, and we could tell Moses' story, and we could tell Joshua's story, and we could say, that same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he is our God today too, and he's at work today. We become these storytellers. Oh, there's stories that are going on all around you. The issue is if we will tell the story of God, present day church, living in the world that we live in, or if we're mostly going to just allow the cloud of stories of thousands, millions of other people to just fill the whole world, the, the airwaves, the internet, TV, conversations in the, in the offices, in the cars, how easy just to drive down the road and just boom, let's just let somebody else tell the story. You can tell me the news. You can sing me a story. Sing a story on whatever the radio stations are. I don't know. I just know my childhood. Let's go. Magic 104, 1991. What's up? I mean, I don't even know whatever it is now. ESPN radio, you know, like there's stories, but the people of God, are telling the story of God with such gratitude for God at work that we just overflow and we talk about it. And I'm inviting you even as a discipline saying, we're gonna tell the stories of God. We're, we're, we're the people that tell stories. We're, we're storytelling people. There's a man in our church. I didn't know him when I moved here. We've become friends in the last five years. His business context, he always uses this phrase where he flips the narrative. Stories are being told, 
And mostly it's just leaving God out. It's not that people are necessarily saying, let me talk about another God. It's not that they're talking about necessarily Hinduism or Buddhism. Or, it's not necessarily that they're walking in and they're just saying, I'm, 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 an, I'm a narcissist. I'm going to talk about myself. You know, it's just, it's, it's just leaving God out. And this guy in our church, he always says this same phrase. I've heard him do it. He just says, God's so cool. God is so cool. You know, and then he starts to talk about what God has done. And he flips the script. He flips the story, flips the narrative. Let me tell, he pulls a Joshua. Let me, let, 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 let me, in the middle of my environment where there's people that don't know God, I'm just gonna flip the conversation to talk about God at work, the story of God. And so I look at Joshua and Joshua, the storyteller, has got God on his lips and I think for us, we do well to just heed the wisdom of Joshua. And where I'm going is I want to tell you stories about what God has done through our church. My hope is that you become someone that talks about what God has done in you. My hope is that you become someone to talk about, look what the Lord has done in our family. Or look what the Lord has done in your salvation. Or in what seemed like ashes and brokenness and a broken job scenario or a broken debt scenario or a broken relationship. But then God was at work and God did something and he turned, made something beautiful out of ashes. But that you've got a God story on your lips. I was recently um, listening to someone pray who I know their journey and their journey is so painful to me when I think about the difficulty they've had in their life. That even just by virtue of being with them, I felt sympathetic, meaning I know their history. And so just to even be with them, I, I, I assumed we'd be talking about their pain, only to be shocked when this person looks at me and just like a bullet gives, God is faithful, God is good, God did this. And the little bit of good in the midst of uh, really some really horrible things, they're able to just talk about and they've got a God story on their lips. This person is a representative of God working today. So you don't have to let your circumstance define if you're a, a God storyteller. You can, you can fill your stories with yourself. You can fill your stories about sports. You can fill your stories about money. You can fill your stories about how horrible the world is. You can fill your stories with politics. You can fill your stories with news. You can fill your stories with clothing. You can fill your stories. But I just want to invite you to look at what happens if you become the person who just can't tell them the story. Look what the Lord has done. That's what you're, that's what you're searching on YouTube. That's what you're putting on your stories on social media. What happens? A radiant church, a light church, a church that is bright, where it is not just the dominant narrative about what everybody else says. It's that you're a storyteller. Joshua just speaks. I mean, he's leading these people right in this moment. And he's saying, this is who our God has been. This is what he's done. This is what God does. But not only that, but then he takes this and he actually says, now you choose you this day. Tell me, whom will you serve? If you're like me, you grew up as a preacher because let nothing stand in your way. I mean, it's an old school song. But it's that choose today. And here's what I love about that. Joshua's pushing for a present tense decision today. Choose you this day. Meaning, very easy to live on what other people have done in the past. Maybe easy for you to think, oh, I identify with people that have served in the past. Maybe easy for you to even identify with another season where I was serving God. But he's looking at the gods of the day. And he's saying, don't you, it's, it's, 
Today, don't serve Baal. Today, don't, don't serve the gods of the Philistines or any of these other lands. Today, you serve. Choose you. Make a choice this day. Yes. Choose today to serve God. I think it's easy for me and for you to remember that moment where maybe we prayed a prayer of salvation. Maybe we have a memory. Maybe we, we identify with a group of people and easy to just live on coast and, and not necessarily give all to serve today. What happens if we, instead of living with mission drift, if we go today, right now, I want to serve God wholeheartedly. Today, in the present tense. Uh, this week, I took my family um, up to see this. If you look right over here, there's a picture of the scout and there's, there's uh, Kansas City right there. And um, when we first moved here, uh, we took pictures uh, overlooking the city. And when we first moved here, uh, I kind of developed this mantra for the city, for the king. And it's all about the city. And I started to feel convicted about how easy it is for me to live in the city and live with enjoying the city instead of on mission for the city. I started to realize how easy it is for me to, uh, there, is, there is no better place to eat on earth than Kansas City. Like this is the city that provides the best I mean, it is incredible food here. It's incredible parks, blue sky, incredible place to live, great people. I mean, came to Kansas City, found my family. I, I, I love the people. I love so many things in the city, and it's easy to stop serving the people in the city. It's easy to sit at the coffee shop, where at one time I used to pray for the people in the coffee shop and now be bugged by the people that sound godless and and well, I'm just over here drinking my double tall vanilla latte, annoyed with the very people that I came to reach. It's easy for us to be like, ah, but he, I, I'm bugged. I'm bugged by the world. I'm bugged by the darkness. But we're called to be a radiant light to the darkness. We're called to be a radiant church. We're called to be people who say, I'm going to serve God today. I'm not going to allow myself to get off mission, off purpose. I'm not going to serve the gods of the age. And we, most of us don't today in this context, aren't saying I'm really wrestling with if I'm going to serve Allah or Buddha or become a Hindu. Most of us are looking at the gods of America and say, I'm going to live for a good time. My ideas, that's what's king. My thoughts, my ways, my pleasure, my fame, my comfort, my agenda, me. And I think, I think that today to serve God is to come back and say, all right, Jesus, make clear, broad is the gate, broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many find it. Narrow is the way. Narrow is the gate that leads to life, and only a few find it. And Jesus, I'm going to serve you today. And I'm going to live on mission today. And so when Jesus says, like in Matthew 9, where he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. It's this optimistic. It's, think about even the way that Jesus says that. The harvest is ripe. It's plentiful. I picture it with a smile. Like, I don't, I don't picture like, I, I don't picture irritated Jesus. I picture like, he said, come on. It's, it's, it's ripe. Let's go. Like the chosen Jesus, you know, happy Jesus. Like, let's go. And the workers, the laborers, the servants, the people willing to sacrificially lay down their lives are needed. They're few. Let's go. And our prayer is just at Radiant. It's just Jesus, send us. God, 
We want that to be us. And I want to invite you, just even when you come in here, just to see that city. And we just thank, you know, Fiorella's for providing what we dream. Boom, picture of the city. Uh, we didn't have to buy it. It's just right there. And remember, we all mission. Remember, this is what God's called us to do. We, we serve the Lord today. Today. Right now. Present tense. Choose you this day. Who do you serve? And then one more idea as you get down towards the end. is Joshua about to die, 110 years old. And at the very end of his life, there's this phrase that speaks of his legacy. After the, verse 29, after these things, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And it's, a, it's an amazing piece, this legacy, because this phrase, the servant of the Lord. And so what the amazing piece is, is that all th- throughout Joshua, Moses is called the servant of the Lord. And when you get Joshua, Joshua is referred to as this young A Joshua or the servant of Moses. And all the way through, you get Moses is the servant of God. Moses is servant. I'm just going to prove this to you. This will take a really long time. Here we go. This is going to go all the way to the third quarter of the Chiefs game. Here we go. Ready? (laughs) You just got scared. All right. Not really. Well, Ethel, let's get out of here. All right. So um, I don't know who Ethel is. I just made that up. Look at this. Joshua 1.1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. 1.13. Remember that the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord. 1.15. Moses, the servant of the Lord. 8.31. Moses, the servant of the Lord. 8.33. Moses, the servant of the Lord. 11.12. The servant of the Lord. Joshua 12.6. Moses, the servant of the Lord. All of them over and over again, 15 times. 13, 8, 14, 7, 18, 7, 22, 2, 22, 4, 22, 4. All the way through, it's Moses, the servant of the Lord. And as it comes to the very end, you get the flip. You get the end. Now Joshua gets the reference. Joshua comes to the end and it says, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. Joshua becomes what Moses was. And so our lives Our lives are always leaving a legacy. And I love this legacy of Joshua who became this servant of God. Like he had been the the student of Moses. And imagine the joy for Moses to have Joshua follow in his place and lead the people. All of us are leaving a legacy. Question is, is it a God legacy or is it yours? But you will leave a legacy. And When you look at future generations in your own life, your family legacy, even radiant church, a legacy, what's it going to look like? And could it be that your life now is such a servant of the Lord, telling the stories of God, talking about, look what the Lord has done. This is who my God is. I walk with God and then I tell the stories of God and I live as the people of God. That you live a legacy. Renata and I, in 2004, um, were serving on staff at a church in Colorado Springs, and I love to hang out in coffee shops. It's just kind of part of who I am, and I was there with Renata. We have this brand new six-month-old baby boy, looks so cute, just like Renata, and uh, brown eyes, brown hair, and this man in his, I would guess, I would guess 70 years old, and he walks up to our little table, and it's a unique little spot because it's a coffee shop 
and then there's a doorway. It's in a strip mall, and it's a doorway to a um, photography studio. So I, they're like in business together. And, and so we're seated in the coffee shop section, um, of course. And, and he says, excuse me. He goes, um, are you, are you the, the, the youth pastor, David Perkins? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And he goes, um, he goes uh, hey, I just want to um, ask, I've heard you tell stories. Um, are, are you by chance, are you say you're a tripler. Are, are you by chance... The, the grandson of Arthur Mottram? And I was like, yeah. And he starts getting all teary. And he's like, I, um, I want you to know, I, I came to faith uh, in your grandpa's church. And I just looked at him and said, I, I didn't really know him. He, he died when I was seven years old. And the only thing I know of him is that I'm, I really wish I looked like him because he's one with a full head of hair. And he, it's just, oh. He was like, got all teary. And he just began to tell me about how great Arthur Mottram was. He began to talk about the sacrifice that Arthur Mottram made on it and, and how it pointed him to Jesus. And then he was just filled with gratitude. And he was like, hey, hey, can I get you? You need another refill? I was like, oh, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. And he's like, hey, well, here's a photography studio. He's like, can I, can I, buy, can I buy you guys a, a picture of your kid? And I looked at Renata and she was like, so I was like, yeah. So uh, he just, I mean, he's dropping money. He's just like, and you can feel just this gratitude where he's just like, and he's, we're all, we, we, I mean, we got, a, we got a, a, a naked picture of Dawson, six month old. Uh, and we didn't pay a dollar for that picture. You know, sorry, I shouldn't have told that part. But he's like, mm, right? Because it's like this guy. In fact, years later, I was uh, speaking at a youth retreat outside St. Louis, and I was in the cafeteria, and this cafeteria lady that serves there, older lady, she came up to me, and she said, hey, uh, just curious, listening to you, and are you by chance Arthur Mottram's grandson? I said, it's a photography studio, what you got? I said, yeah, I am. Same story. She began to just cry. And she began to talk about my grandpa. She began to tell me. So I may not ever have known my grandfather, but he left a legacy. And I just think about us. Got this little window of time. The constant knocking on the door to live a, a life where you leave God out versus being the people of God that walk with God that tell the story of God, that then surrender to God and live a life that points people to God. And you always reproduce who you are. So you can, you, you, you can say a lot of things, but who you are, what's really on the inside comes out. And so maybe for us, there could be like Joshua, this legacy, Moses legacy, thinking about um, my son Dawson. He's 17, and he's such an Oklahoma Sooner football fan that he talks to me about the Sooners. He wears Sooner garb. He texts me about the Sooners, and he, um, on his fantasy football draft, he only drafts Sooners. Um, he's really bad. He usually loses because of that. 
but he's so loyal. But here's the irony. Boy, the boys never lived in Oklahoma. The boys actually uh, never even been to Norman. <laughs> you know why he's a Sooner fan? Mm. It's because of me. It's because, it's because of just the way I live my life. It's just kind of who I am. Here's the reality. We've got these little window of time to leave a legacy. That's a little window of time. And I want to invite you like old Joshua, Father Joshua, legacy leaving Joshua, Moses legacy leaving all of us looking and saying, God, I give you everything. I'm going to serve God and I'm going to tell the stories of God. And then you'll leave a legacy. You'll leave a legacy of God. I was thinking about us as a church. What if this Joshua 24 text was true of us as a church. So we have on our lips the stories. Let me tell you the stories of God at work. So on week one of Radiant Church, people give their lives to Jesus and we go, oh, God, you're good. Or we tell the radiant stories of of a baptism day where we're a portable church in a middle school and it's a, it's a snowstorm, sudden crisis. What do you do? We're used to church buildings where it's like a hot tub jacuzzi. So it's just kind of nice and enjoyable. We, but, but we've got a blizzard and we're outside. Crisis moment. We said, let's just do it in the snow. Only to have that be one of the greatest moments of our church life is people making a public confession of faith in the snow. I was thinking about just even the, the journey, the story of God at work, even in that stay-at-home order, where it could have been a crisis moment where it was so painful, but instead it became powerful as, as the Lord opened doors, and we were able to see people who are so living in anxiety start to pray more than we'd ever prayed. We saw people come to faith even in that digital season where we were all digital, even the way that the Lord provided this space that we're in right now, it was right on the heels. It was, it was, a, it was a, it's an amazing story of how God provided. The way that God has provided space for us to lead thousands of young people. God just continues to be at work supernaturally. So we want to be a people that tell the story of what God has done at Radiant Church. Look what the Lord has done. And I think it's easy for us to just get so caught up in so many other things that we don't just repeat the story. And I just want to be like Joshua and say it. Just speak it and talk about Radiance stories, the God stories, and this, the serving. Like when I think about in these last five years, 937 decisions to follow Jesus. When I think about 149 people baptized. When I think about the present tense right now, there's 243 people that are serving Right now on our dream team, that means voluntarily running a camera, voluntarily serving in Radiant Kids. Have you hugged a Radiant Kids worker today, baby? You know, like people serving. And I just think it's amazing. It's glorious. When I think about the way that right now we're saying today, I'm going to choose today and serve God. And there's such a beautiful story of, of, of Radiant Church serving in the present tense. Everything that we're trying to do with touching the city and touching the nations, touching the next generation, God at work. And I think it's easy for us to, to, just, to just forget. And to, you know that, that old hymn, 
Um, David Crowder redid it, but it's my heart is prone to wander, prone to leave the one I love. Here's my heart, Lord. You can have it. I, I, that's where I want us to get. I want us to go where I'm, I'm prone to wander, but I'm going to come back and choose today to serve. I'm going to choose, and I'm going I'm to tell the stories of God in my life. I'm going to tell the stories of God in my family. I'm going to tell the stories of God in my small group. I'm going to flip the script, tell the stories of God where I work, in my, at the university where I attend, I'm, I, and I'm going to serve. God, you can have it all. God, I, I'm prone to wander, prone to leave the God I love. God, today, I choose you this day. I'll have no other gods, only you. And we live that kind of life, and then you get like the legacy. I was thinking about we as a church as we go into this initiative, the future is radiant, and what our legacy could be. And I went back and just looked at some of the history of Kansas City and some of the churches in Kansas City. Holmes Road, right over here, actually uh, comes from Robert and Mary, Robert and Ann, Mary Ann Holmes who in 1855 helped establish, they were church planters, what's up now, uh, with uh, the First Baptist Church. On, and then you get a road. I mean, it's kind of cool. It's kind of like, there's a little legacy. I, I, I didn't know what Holmes was. I, I, I would have never, th- I, no clue. But there's a little bit of legacy there with this whole idea of Shawnee Mission. It's actually Methodist missionaries that came to reach the Shawnee people. How amazing that we've got even that language, it's, it's, it's missionaries. It's people on mission. What happened if we were radiant missionaries? I mean, missionaries for Jesus. And who knows what God could do a couple generations from now? Who knows that they might look back and say, ah, hey, is your, is your grandpa Will Riddle? <laughs> right? Let me tell you the way he lived his life. It could just be that there's a legacy for you and me and our families and our church. I don't know that there'll be a radiant boulevard. I, I kind of like that. idea of a radiant fountain. kind of fits Kansas City, you know, like leave a little legacy that points people back to Jesus. Who knows? But if we could think generationally, if we could think for the city, if we could think not just about me, because the temptation will always be, always has been, always will be. I'm going to live consumed with self. Yet the Godward way is I'm in love with God and I pour myself out for the sake of others. I live a life on mission. I live a life where I care. And don't take it for granted. Don't just think I'm going to live for me and let the chips fall where they fall. When we look at what Nathan quoted a moment ago about how in the United States, you have 4,000 churches whose doors shut every year and only 3,000 new churches. Listen, we have a big role to play in our generation, in our city. Look at this. Judges chapter two, just go, you just go two chapters later and it says this, verse six, gotta, let's take just a second, but just listen. After Joshua had dismantled, not dismantled, wrong word, dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land each of their own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him. So the people, they followed God in the lifetime of Joshua and the elders who outlived Joshua. So these, 
the people in the, in the, the elders in the life of Joshua and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. That's how I feel right now. You see, I, I've seen God at work. I saw God, I, I saw God start a church supernaturally. I saw God see people become disciples from the first day. I've watched, I've watched heartfelt disciples want to be baptized in snow. I've seen the works of God. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And then they buried him in the land of his inheritance in the, at Timoth Huraz in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors or had died, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. A whole generation. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of, the, of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshiped various gods of the peoples around them. They aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him and served Baal and the Ashtaroths. Just one generation away and the people of God neither know him or know what he's done. One generation. So in the life consumed with self, in the life consumed with me, flip that script, go the other way and go, ah, look, I'm going to tell the story of what God has done. And I think about our city and I think about the next generation and we can hear a little statement like what Nathan just said and just kind of toss it aside. It doesn't fit my life. Or we think about us being a faithful witness of Jesus in our generation, taking the good news of the gospel to our city, leaving a legacy so that the generations to come will know God and look back and talk about God at work. My dream is that the next generation would just be blown away with all that God has done. Let me tell you about the revival movement I grew up in. Let me tell you about a people that were consumed with their city coming to know Jesus. Let me tell you about a people that prayed like crazy. Let me see. Let me tell you about people that they sacrificially gave to reach the next generation and to take the gospel around the world. Let me tell you about this God movement that I grew pretty, pretty hard for me to stray because I've seen God at work. In the days of my youth, I saw God. I saw trustees that were consumed with God. I saw small groups where people filled up their homes with worship and prayer. Renata and I, on um, Friday night, we were watching the video of, of when we started Radiant. It's just five years ago. And we watched it, and I've seen it enough. I just, I had no emotional response. But I look over, and Renata's got tears coming down her eyes. And I looked at her, and I said, I know, babe. I looked so much better five years ago. <laughs> and she goes, no. She goes, it's, that's the church that Jesus is building. She said, you said, people that worship, we got a worshiping church. You said, families, where the 
sit around the table and parents are intentional with their kids. You said a church cares about reaching the city with small groups and people that voluntarily discover their purpose so that they can go lay their lives down and make a difference. And she said, that's the church that Jesus is building. And I just want to thank you because I believe we're in the middle of a God movement. Just getting started. Got a long way to go. I believe the future is really God at work in our city that leaves a legacy. So if you'll just take, we're going to close out today in a unique way like we've never done before. But if you'll just take this card, I'd like this just to be a holy moment today. If you're new to Radiant, you can just let this be a moment for those of us that have been here a while and feel like the Lord's called us into this. I want to invite you, if you are with your family, to let this be a holy moment where you pray. And I think you're, you've come ready. Most of you have come. You've texted me. You've called me. I know so many of you have come just so excited about this moment. But we're going to take this moment. And we're just going to look. Some of you came today and you want to bring an offering, a one-time offering today. Many of you want to go on this journey and, and we're believing God. We don't, know what our, we, we don't know where our future place is. We just know that God's got a place. I just want to give you about 60 seconds just to take a moment and be with the Lord and fill this out. Renata, will you come and join me? We'll do this together. Go ahead and just fill out that card. It looks like this. The future is ready. If you're online, there's a digital commitment card right there. want to remind you that my only request is that you say yes to God. There's no pressure. I don't want anybody to feel any kind of pressure. I just want to invite you to just give your yes. And just like Jesus took the fish and the bread of the boy who brought what he had and multiplied it, Renata and I, staff, overseers, the trustees, we're believing God. This is, we're just bringing our fish and our bread. And we know that Jesus is going to multiply this. God's going to work supernaturally. And we're believing God for miracles. We're believing God for a miracle building that he has for us. If you're not desiring to fill this card out today, but you want to, maybe you're just kind of new to this journey and you want to just take it with you and continue to pray, you can always do that. Once you're done, will you just hold it in your hand and I'm just going to pray for it. Father, I thank you for your faithfulness 
generations past. I thank you, Lord God, that Jesus, you're building your church. We thank you for the journey we get to be on. It's this church, this house. And I thank you, Lord God, for the young adults, the families, the married people and the single people, the men and the women, the children. I thank you for all the people that you've brought together that make up Radiant Church. And God, we just come to you today and we bring this offering over the next 24 months. Just above our tithe, just this with faith, Lord God, that you've got a permanent place for us. And Lord God, we ask, fling wide the doors that we could have a place, Lord Jesus, a center, a home, where for generations, generations to come, they hear the good news of the gospel. I've asked, Lord Jesus, for a place where we train future missionaries, mobilize thousands of young people, and I pray for tens of thousands, and in the lifetime of the church, hundreds of thousands of people to give their life to Christ. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are at work 100 years ago, 1855, eight little, little church plant, and you're at work today, 2021. We thank you for what you're going to do. We love you. We honor you.